And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, episode 10. This is a special interview with one of our Brave Maker filmmakers coming to the festival. He is John Fusco. He is a Bay Area filmmaker. He grew up in the Bay and then moved to New York City. John Fusco is the, or one of the editors and podcast hosts of No Film School. Have you heard that podcast before? I have. So I've, good. I've listened to it a couple times. Yeah. I need to listen some more. I know I do. <laughs> you are listening to the voice of Jessica Musgrave here on episode 10. <laughs> Hi. And I'm Tony Gapistone. Our regular co-host, Rebecca Mosa is uh, not in the studio today, but this uh, episode is really fun because I actually interviewed John at Sundance back in January. So it's been sitting on our vault for some time here, but we're launching it now because the film festival is here. It's coming up June 1st and 2nd, 2019. You can actually watch John's film on Sunday, June 2nd in the Bay Area Filmmakers block, which happens on Sunday night at Century 20. So get your tickets and all access passes are available. You can come hang out for a party on May 31st and go to all the film screenings meet people like Alex Ferrari <laughs> do you hear do you hear little Emily Musgrave uh, Jessica's daughter is hanging out with her in the studio she was gracious enough to be my co-host today and bring her her little tyke here <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> poor Jess poor Jess is like trying to keep her quiet but like, this is a kid you cannot hold this kid back it's a brave maker in the making right here are you a brave maker Emily can you say brave maker brave maker Say Brave <laughs> All right, John Fusco, everyone. Go to bravemaker.com if you want to see his film and meet him in person, but enjoy this conversation done in one of the filmmaker lounges at Sundance 2019. Brave stories change the world. You are the story. I'm in Sundance at the Sundance TV headquarters. I'm with John Fusco, who is a fellow podcaster and filmmaker. And we're going to podcast today and talk about No Film School and his film and Sundance. John, you want to say anything about your experience so far? Oh, man. I mean, it's just uh, Sundance is a shit show. What can I say? (laughs) It's um, it's definitely the most intense of the festivals that I cover. there's, you know, I was waiting to see if I could even do this podcast because every single iota of my day is filled with either screenings or interviews or, uh, I mean, just getting from place to place, you know? Like, I like to give myself an hour between uh, screening or interview to, to get places. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, sometimes I'm really late and hustling and <laughs> dropping shit and <laughs> losing shit. We were so. just talking about, we were just talking about how he lost 
a bag of microphones, yeah. a bag of his gear yeah. on the way to an interview with the director. Like, it, that's the worst. It's rough. I mean, we still have two, so we're still able to do microphones uh. and or still do interviews. Um, and we'll get some replacements when we get back. But when you're here, you're here. God, There's no way to get yeah. anything once you're in Park City. It's just, like, isolated from the rest of the world for some It's like you're on a big snowy island yeah. and there's no getting off yeah. until February 3rd or 4th. Yep, and all everyone talks about is movies. Uh, you have to, like, keep up the date from hearing crazy shit like it's negative 60 degrees in the Midwest while right. we're just here, like, yeah. doing yeah. this. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's a trip. It's definitely a trip. <laughs> all right, well, that's the intro. So you'll hear more about this whole story on the podcast. Uh, it's on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all those places. Thanks for tuning in and listening to John Fusco while I do the, the interview right now. Okay. Cool. So all right, so... Thanks for, dude, in the middle of all that stuff, just saying, like, you're so busy. I totally appreciate you oh, doing no problem. this, this is podcast. It. This is and, like the end. So. Uh, we are rolling. And the, the fun thing is, dude, we, we met a year ago. I don't even know if you remember was it this. A year, was it, like, last year or the year before? I do remember. On a bus. Yeah. Because last year. you were one of the first people who was like, oh, shit, like, you're from the No Film School <laughs> podcast. Because it... You got out of Eccles, which is yeah. a big... No, no, no. Uh, yeah, Eccles. We were both on a bus, just saw a film. Uh, you sat down, I sat down, and typical Sundance style. We started chatting, and like within a sentence or two, I'm like, dude, why, is, why do I know your voice? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, your voice is always in my ear when I'm walking my dog. This is John Fusco from No Film School. And then we just chatted and connected on social media. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, we're hanging out. and Back at Sundance. Yeah, dude. So I'm stoked to talk with you. I'd love to like jump right to it like I'd love to I get to interview you so you don't have uh, to interview this is me actually the first time I think that I've ever been interviewed <laughs> no way is, come yeah, on yeah this is the first time I've ever been on the other side dude um, put this down in writing Brave Maker <laughs> Podcast so okay John Fusco lives in New York currently yes but give the listeners where you're from uh, I'm from San Francisco which Boom. which is I think what we were talking about on yeah. the bus before yeah. I revealed myself <laughs> I guess your secret identity <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, from San Francisco. I went to NYU uh, for acting, actually. Uh, so I've been there for 10 years now. Um, and I hear that San Francisco has changed a lot. I get to head back maybe once a year uh, to see the family and hike and, you know, take in the uh, level-headedness of Californians over New Yorkers, which is always nice. We're more level-headed than oh, New yeah. York, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard reset. Once I go back to California every year, it's just, I mean, New York is... I guess when I say level-headed, I just I just mean not constantly going at something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Times Square. That's how, I mean, I just picture New York as constant Times Square in some way. Yeah, it's a it's a great place. I mean, it's a very competitive place, which uh, and not not even an intentionally not an intentional way. It's it's competitive. It's just you know you see your friends doing stuff. Uh, which encourages you to do things. And if you're not doing the same sort of level of activity that they're doing, you're going to feel pretty miserable. So you got to keep up. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's really great for that also. Yeah. So, dude, so you went to acting school at NYU, but then you found yourself in a different capacity like in the press category. Yeah, I, uh, I realized pretty quickly after graduating from acting school and uh, working at a restaurant for a couple, like a year and a half. Uh, actually, this restaurant I worked at was called The Grey Dog um, in New York, and I see lots of alum of Grey Dog out, you know, Zazie Beats worked at Grey Dog. Apparently. So, like, it's a popular joint where yeah, actors like and creators. NYU kids, you yeah. know, the new school people. It's a, it's a very creative place for young people to be. Um, I think a lot of young creatives are drawn to New York City. I know I was. Uh, 
And I realized pretty quickly that, you know, maybe acting wasn't the lifestyle I wanted to live. I think uh, I, I really need to be moving laterally. No, not laterally. Vertically, I guess. <laughs> laterally, same thing, maybe. Um, <laughs> On a ladder in some way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a creative ladder. A creative ladder in some kind. And the acting world was just too sparse in terms of jobs. I wanted to be learning some other skills uh, so I could maybe eventually start to make shit that, you know, I liked because the other part of it was I wasn't really finding any work out there that I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go out for commercials and you smile and maybe you get like a, a toothpaste ad or you do something. <laughs> did you have a toothpaste ad? I did not have a toothpaste okay, ad. Right. But my biggest thing was I was an extra in, well, I was an extra a few times. Uh, I was an extra in Coen Brothers in, in Inside You and Davis. Oh, I was wow. a featured extra. But I got cut from the movie, so uh, I did it. <laughs> featured. Okay. Yeah. So, listeners, I think I talked about this on one of the podcasts before, but that featured language is how they suck you in mm-hmm. to being moving furniture, mm-hmm. but they say things like, hey, we're going to feature you. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you mean? Like, your, your face is going to be distinguishable on camera. Yeah. It might be kind of blurry, but you'll, you'll notice it's your silhouette. and You're <laughs> you basically t- just like a, not even a glorified uh, extra. You're just an extra that yeah. is going to be on camera. Yeah, it's um, so painful. But you have to do that stuff. That's how you learn and pay your dues. And yeah, and I think you get paid a little bit more for being a featured extra. I, I got my SAG card from doing that, which I kind of regret. Honestly, Do you still pay your dues for I sack? I still pay my yeah, dues for it's sack. It's worth it. It's worth it, yeah. yeah. And also, like, it's it's worth it not to have to pay, like, the $3,000 to get to out get of it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a SAG member. Uh, but I just uh, I just moved on. Like, I'm, I moved on. I was not uh, enjoying myself, I guess. Or I wanted to be challenging myself in a way that acting... Uh, I mean, acting is a very challenging thing, but it wasn't challenging me in the right ways. Mm-hmm. Like, so I got a couple internships. I interned at uh, a place called Joe's Pub uh, at the Public Theater in uh, New York. Uh, and then I interned at a, 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 might be a defunct website now called Snag Films, uh, which led to a job at IndieWire um, where I was the video editor there uh, prior to their acquisition. They got acquired by Penske Media, which runs Variety now. Um, so they've blown up since I've left. But, uh, and because of you, we could say, probably. Yeah, probably. Paved the way. Yeah, yeah. Built no, the foundation. I did. I kind of tried to build a foundation <laughs> for video. And now they're, like, they, they run Sundance. So, um, yeah, I got laid off uh, because of the whole transition of power. Um, and I got scooped right back up by No Film School. And um, it's funny, actually. My career at No Film School started right here. Um, I met with Ryan after, like, a couple months of trying to get him to actually like sit down with me and interview me for the job position, uh, which was just an editorial position. And uh, I met with him at Grey Dog, actually, and got, got dinner. And <laughs> he was like, I can't offer you a job yet. It went, it went really well. Um, but he was like, I, I can, I can uh, offer you the chance to come to Sundance with me and prove that you can start a podcast, essentially. Wow. Um, okay. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I'll go to Sundance. Like... That, that was a dream of mine. What year was this? This was 2016, I want to say. 2015, okay. 2016. Cool. 2016 was the... F- this is my fourth Sundance. So wait, this is 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at Sundance, I just basically I just basically had to teach myself how to use Audition in two weeks. Um, I would do podcasts for IndieWire very briefly. Uh, I'm not going to knock on IndieWire, but they didn't really... 
give me the chance to like get in there and try and improve production quality and whatever. Uh, I mean, as you know, like so much of the actual quality of the podcast is like the audio quality and the gear you use and um, just the whole pr- production aspect yeah. of it. If, if certain things are lacking, then the whole podcast will suffer. Yeah, people will tune out. Like, I've listened to a few podcasts, and I started out this podcast on a, like, USB mic. Yeah, yeah. Super airy and tinny. Well, look at us now. Right, exactly. <laughs> got, a, a, like, headphone mics for drive through tellers or, or football broadcasters. We're actually in Sundance TV headquarters. You wouldn't even know. It's super loud. They're bumping some music. There's probably, like, 20, 30 people in here eating all the free chips and free yep. coffee. Yep. And here we are sitting, but... So, John, that's a great example of the Brave Maker story we're always getting at. Is okay. So you get these opportunities that you have to jump on. So someone says, hey, dude, you want to you wanna show it? Show me. You got to prove it. And you figure out how to do a podcast within two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't get paid, right? You, you basically... Uh, you know, I think I was freelance paid, uh, but I the it was a test to see sure. if I could be salaried. Did they pay your way here? Yeah, they paid my okay, way great. here. Awesome. It was, I mean, it was... It was awesome. It was a okay. great opportunity. Yeah, know? awesome. And um, it was totally because you know you have to really. At times, it's gonna suck. You got there's a struggle. <laughs> I was working two internships and like two jobs at the same time. I think before I actually got hired at at one place for like like a thirty k a year salary. So it's it, it's a struggle. It's still a struggle. Yeah, you know. Um, but it's 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 very nice to have something solid. Uh, a solid foundation in place where, again, like I learn every day from filmmakers I interview, I, uh, for my own craft, for my own sake, I have time, I'm encouraged to like write and to make my own stuff. So it's great. It's been a great job, a great job so far. <laughs> so I've, I've shouted out No Film School on this podcast before. I definitely attribute No Film School as probably one of my top five podcasts for sure. Thank you. I actually attribute films no film school as part of my film school as well i did not go oh, to film school 100 percent, yeah and uh, you know so i've listened I, I listen to podcasts i read books and i make films that's how i i learn so uh, listeners i highly recommend you subscribe to no film school and in just three years you've been doing that yeah three years uh three years we're like now town 270 episodes or something amazing and, uh and how many how many people how many downloads or how many listeners per week do you guys have a we average around like 10 to fifteen thousand a week i'd say it's amazing um, so it's it's hard to really like get a gauge for those numbers as i'm sure you yeah. know like yeah. kind of all over the place because there's so many different outlets for yeah. you to be uh downloading from but yeah uh so we don't really know our subscriber base yeah per se uh but i imagine it's pretty good like mm-hmm. I've, I've run into people, again, like you were the first, but now I run into friends and they're like, oh yeah, I've heard your, like I listened to your, to your podcast without like me telling them anything about it. So yeah. it's always a trip. John, you do have a good podcast voice <laughs> and you also like part of my favorite things about two things. You have this little chuckle. Okay. <laughs> you little, this little chuckle that comes Maybe out. That's I love the that. San Francisco or oh, the California. Dude, I love that. Second <laughs> was probably my all-time favorite is you did a podcast. I think the last podcast of 2017, or maybe the first one of, sorry, 2018, maybe first 20, I don't know. But you, you edit them. Yeah, I edit them. So too. you weren't in studio for one of them. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. then you did like all this commentary on the side. So yeah. you guys just listened to that one because that in and of itself was funny. Yeah, that's a bittersweet episode. That's the last episode of Indie Film Weekly, actually. Which I don't understand. Can you explain what's going on with that? Um, yeah, I mean, Liz uh, Nord, who was our uh, editor-in-chief for a while, actually just took a job at Sundance. Uh, earlier this year, and Liz has a great podcast voice too. She does, and she was a all big, you guys. She was a big part of the podcast, um, and you know, it was me and Eric uh, mm-hmm. for a while. But we also had Charles, 
Um, and basically because, you know, Liz and Charles uh, aren't salaried employees, we'd have to freelance and pay them uh, for every episode they would come in on. Okay. We also had to rent out a space for the podcast booth that we owned. So basically we're just cutting costs. Okay. Um, we ha- I have the ability with just my, my Zoom F8 and uh, a couple reporter mics to be doing interviews all the time and then even, you know, continue on into Film Weekly in some iteration. Uh, the other part is we're kind of divided now in terms of where the team is. Uh, half the team is in New York. The other half is in L.A. So maybe L.A. will be starting some podcast iteration soon. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was just our Ryan thought it was time. So yeah. uh, it is bittersweet. It's, it, was a, it was a really good resource and pretty easy to put on. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was uh, disappointed to hear, but... I'm sure that we'll be putting out more stuff soon. Yeah. Indie Film Weekly, so listeners know, was a weekly podcast in which you guys got into the booth and you would discuss sort of relevant topics, talk about gear especially. Mm-hmm. Charles Hain. Yeah, Charles. Go do an amazing <laughs> review. I was feeling like, oh my gosh, this guy was like blowing my mind yeah. half the times I would try to keep in touch with what he was saying, but right. hugely needed because I'm a director who needs to grow in my cinematography abilities, so it was always really helpful to learn from him. But you guys would also kind of do reviews and share about movies, and mm-hmm. um, but you're still going to be doing interviews with mm-hmm. filmmakers. Like, that'll be... Yeah, that's yeah. not going away. No, I've been here uh, collecting interviews. We have about 12, I think, from our time here for the past week, five, yeah. six days. Um, got some good stuff coming down the line. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like... And with each festival, it seems like we're getting higher profile guests. Like I, interv- I interviewed Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, talk about that. That was crazy. I remember like listening to that. Like that's a he's a big he's deal. He's a big dude. deal. Um, I was really hungover, and <laughs> like I was already nervous. And I'm usually not hungover. Like I haven't drunk. I haven't drunk or. Oh, you weren't, like, hungover with excitement and no, no, fan, no. fanboy? No. You were, like, was, hungover with literal alcohol? I just happened to have, a, <laughs> a, like, a concert that I was really excited about going to the night before. And, you know, that turned into uh, a night. And uh, the next day, which was a Saturday, uh, which is strange for interviews, I had to go in and uh, talk to Jorgos, who was very cool, but kind of a scary person. Um, you know, having not met him, he's... His movies are scary enough to, like, <laughs> push me in the direction of who this guy is. He's yeah. obviously very enigmatic. Um, but I think I asked him the right questions, and I mm-hmm. think that's, like, all you really got to do. You got to yeah. treat your and the guy you're interviewing as just another filmmaker, you know? If, from what I remember, did you have this sense of potentially, like, you know, you never know when you get an artist in the seat. Mm-hmm. You never know what kind of perspective or point of view or where they're going to be in their headspace. Did you have a sense of feeling like, oh, man, like, he could be... You know, who am I to interview him? He could feel a little bit like Henri. Or yeah. Did you have that? Is that kind of what you went going into? Not, not really. You know, I've kind of lost that uh, attitude over the past three years. Um, and I think, like, it's just because filmmakers that we talk to are generally, gen- generally pretty uh, happy to be talking about, like, their craft. Their work, yeah. Rather than, you know, like, the same old stock press junket questions. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's just like having a conversation with someone, uh, like going on a date, mm-hmm. uh, which can be nerve wracking mm-hmm. sometimes, but it's a job. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it sounds like three years you've grown into it. You, you love it. Yeah. You're also learning from it. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anything like stories that come to mind that really like, you could highlight along the way of that propelled you in your film career? Cause we're going to get to your film, your kind of debut yeah. directing thing here. I mean, 
the whole the whole thing has been just a I didn't go to film school either uh-huh. so uh, the whole job opportunity has been a an opportunity for me to ask questions literally about things that I'm thinking about in my own work um, and sometimes those can be very basic questions you know mm-hmm. like uh, but learning I think from other people's experiences has been a hugely informative thing for me um, and it's kind of just you know giving myself having now talked to a lot of people I think the only the real the real thing that put me in a position to make my movie was just like feeling like I had the confidence to make a movie you know feeling like I was ready I, I thought enough about the how the production would go um, what I would need to do and uh, how I should act on set I guess mm-hmm. um, yeah so I yeah I can't really point to one interview necessarily but um, it's all because it's all just been a compendium of knowledge compendium, compendium dude. yeah that's I a good like word. Emily Booter, if you <laughs> I do know no, Emily, <laughs> just from your podcast. Yes, which I want to shout out to all those guys. They're they're great. I love this podcast, No Film School. So again, highlight. Go go listen to it. Now we're gonna move off of No Film School and hear about. <laughs> wow, it sounds like there's a bowling alley above us right now. Maybe you guys hear that on the podcast. Uh, so my, my namesake, Tony. Yes, Tony. In which your protagonist is named. Oh yes, true. <laughs> I was so, like. Uh, <laughs> I gotta switch gears back to like <laughs> my shit now. All right, so let's talk about your film, man. Your uh, your writing and directing. Yeah, baby. Here, I mean the guy. The guy. Uh, I, I I well, you. I think you may may have seen it now. I watched okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So I watched it. Not many people have seen it. Um, I'm. You know, it's 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 a very tricky. Uh, the life of something after you make it, I guess, is like a very tricky. Uh, area to navigate with festivals and with mm-hmm. um you know do i release it online because i have i have like a lot of people who are interested in seeing it which is yeah. great because of no film school um so i get i do kind of have a built-in audience um but the festival experience i think is something that i do want to try and have um it's just fucking hard i guess i like i i'm not sure also how much my how <laughs> how well my movie fits into any sort of uh, social agenda or uh, programming a yeah. film festival might have because it's kind of an oddity. Yeah. Um, which is something I'm, like, I really love it and everyone who worked on it really loves it. Um, but it's a difficult film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's challenging and it's challenging on purpose. Uh, you know, I came up with the idea uh, for this film uh, a couple weeks after I graduated from college, actually. I was just talking with some friends from ETW, the experimental theater wing where I went to school uh, at NYU, the studio I went to. And um, we came up with like a series of images, essentially, uh, that we all liked that were kind of weird um, and absurd or whatever, uh, surreal. And we decided that uh, from, from those images, we kind of formed a very base plot. Uh, or not plot, but just like structurally, there were there were points that we all had to hit, and we decided that we were all going to make our own short films that bookended each other. So oh. it would be like one starts with a guy waking up, 
uh, and then it ends with something else happening. I'm not going to say because then I'm kind of like spoil my movie. Um, but then it starts with him waking up again. Oh wait, so you've got like sort of an anthology collection? That of... was the initial idea. Oh wow, but then I was that's the a only... great idea. Yeah, I was the only <laughs> one, one who followed so, through. <laughs> yeah. It, All it, right, so whoever those filmmakers are, this is your official yeah, uh, brave maker challenge to bring it to life. Um, and then like it took four years after that yep. for me to actually get into a position where I felt like I was had enough like you know financial financially I wasn't just like a struggling college kid at anymore mm -hmm. um, also there was like once you start producing a movie um, there's really nothing that you'd rather spend your money on you you, you realize <laughs> so like uh, even if I you know didn't have enough like a lot of capital coming in it was all going towards something that uh, I really believed in, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that switch uh, was a big part of me actually doing it. Um, I also didn't go to film school, so I didn't know anyone from a technical side of thing who could uh, help me make this uh, crazy project. I didn't know any cinematographers. I didn't know any sound people. I didn't know any gaffers. You know, uh, production designers. So I had to. I went through rounds of trying to find people over the years. Um, and lots of lots of like starts and stops, and then one year, like last year, I guess it was, I was just like, "Fuck it, I, I gotta start this thing, I gotta do it, uh, otherwise I'm just gonna be sitting on it." And I still also the 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 whole thing about sitting on a project for four years and still wanting to do it, I think, is a very uh, good reason. To it's do a good something. sign if you can't get it out of your system, yeah. you have to finally get it out, yeah, to be able to move on. And you know, you we all have our own stories to tell. And, yep. Um, Mine is weird and sort of ethereal, but I think that my main goal with it was to try and make a movie where people could create their own story as to what was happening, um, which was one of the most fun parts about sharing the script, actually, was because I would always hear different feedback about mm. what they actually thought was going on mm -hmm. or what the story actually was. And I was like, yes, you're right. Dude, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I think for, you know, so... I a couple things. All right, so your film, first of all, I love Twin Peaks. Okay, yeah. And if you guys love Twin Peaks, you'll love John's film. Thank you. It's very Lynchian. Yes. It's very, okay, and I'll use this word in a good way, uncomfortable. Yes. It, well, it, yes. it, and I love using this word, wash. It washes over you and it, it makes you, it, you're not like sitting back going, I want to eat my popcorn. And you're going, oh my gosh, like my <laughs> skin kind of feels a little awkward. I feel like I have to like, cross my arms a little bit and, I, and I'm leaning in going what is happening here and I think why, why I like films so much is because a good film makes you ask questions it doesn't always give you answers yeah. and I love when a filmmaker when someone does ask them a question when you know you, yes we want to hear from you but I love when you kind of put it back on the audience or when you say yeah like is that what you took from it okay cool let's talk about that let's talk about what you were taking and, and maybe if it's not your first intention you're giving people, the audience, permission to go on a journey oh, yeah. with the film. Yeah, their own journey. I mean, like, one thing that I encounter again and again in these interviews with filmmakers uh, about what they value about their own work is um, they are making stuff that they would most like to see, you know? Um, so I, I like stuff that challenges me. I like stuff where it's open-ended and I can, like, be really engaged yeah. and, like, building a narrative of my own, you know? Sort of like a, a mirror, in effect, of... Uh, yourself on what you see on screen. Um, but yeah, I mean, like what you're talking about, discomfort, and that's also been a huge part of my vibe, I guess, as an artist since mm -hmm. I was in college. I've, I 
did a show with this uh, avant-garde theater maker named Richard Foreman. Um, he was big in New York in the 60s and 70s, uh, and he like really changed my perception about like an artist's relationship with the audience and uh, how how an artist can uh, either manipulate <laughs> that's a that's a bad word but it's something that filmmakers love to do I guess like myself um, you know you can make an audience feel uncomfortable and there's just as much merit in making them feel as uncomfortable uncomfortable as at making them cry or yeah. like laugh or yeah. whatever they'll walk away and they'll be affected and that's really like all I want yeah so. That famous quote that good art either comforts the disturbed mm. or disturbs the comfortable. Ooh, that's cool. Have you heard that? No, I never heard that. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, yeah. You, good art comforts the disturbed or disturbs the comfortable. So you have this interesting word I'd love you to talk about in your director's statement. Uh, you kind of a, oh, yeah. an affinity with the ugly in a yeah, way. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, like, actually, you know, Yorgos... Uh, said something in the podcast that we that we went to, or that I, I did with him, sorry. Uh, he, <laughs> he was long over, remember? Yeah, I barely remember. <laughs> um, he said, I don't want to make things that are beautiful, or like, I don't want to ch- like tell stories that are serene, because like, where's the fun in that, I guess? Or like, where's the where's the story? Like, I and I agree. I mean, I think like the ugly is, um, it's as I was saying, it's just as viable a method to make people think and make people feel. Maybe even more so. You know, mm-hmm. like I really think that making people uncomfortable is not fun, but necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, and like like you say, there's uh, in my film, it's it's tough to watch almost at points. Uh, I've had like a lot of feedback from friends being like, oh, I really liked the first half and I didn't like the second half. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, they're both like pretty much the same. It's the same thing. It's the same craft. It's the same world. Uh, but the themes that we delve into in the second world are very uncomfortable and they're a lot harder to watch. So it's yeah. like, you know, I hear that and I don't take that as criticism I take that as like wow okay so I guess I kind of succeeded in what like, I'm trying to do yeah but that I, that was really hard at first I think like what was hard just this uh, the feedback the feedback like yeah. the criticisms uh, uh, because I don't know I <laughs> there it, it was always just like yeah you know like I was kind of unclear about what was happening or uh, this like really disturbed me and uh, I'm not sure like why it had to be there and I, then I, like, so it, it hit me uh, hard at first, but then I had to, like, realize that this is actually what I wanted, you know what I mean? This is, like, why I yeah. made the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, I, again, from there, like, something switched, and I've been much less depressed. Yeah. <laughs> so you, 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 it really hit you in a sad kind of way. Did you really feel low and yeah, down yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, like, a, it's, it's a tough thing, like, to, yeah. A, to just be finished with. That's the first thing I ever did. So, like, to say goodbye to the people, to the collaborators, um, you know, to my editor, who I've been sitting down with for every mm-hmm. week, three times a week for a year, and, mm-hmm. like, working on this thing that we're both, like, super happy with, and having always having, like, something or having a stage to focus on um, to try and complete this thing. Having Losing that was tough, you know, but... And the fest, this light, the, now the life of it, like waiting for festivals and whatever, is a lot harder. It's so hard, <laughs> oh dude, it's the um, worst. But with each rejection, you know. So I started off on the 2019 
festival, aiming for the 2019 festival circuit. And uh, with each rejection, uh, it's been a lot easier. Yeah. So I haven't actually been accepted anywhere yet. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, <laughs> I'm happy to give you your first acceptance. You're coming to the Brave Maker oh, Film wow. Festival. Hey, yeah, hell yeah. If, if you'll come. Oh, yeah, of course in, I'll come. In June in the Bay Area. Yeah, man, I'll be there. So you said you only come once a year. Now you, a have a, now you have a reason to come. What's the date? It's June 1st and 2nd. Cool. So I hope that works in your schedule. Yeah, dude. But here's why. You know, a uh, couple things. What I, I love, you also did a master class podcast on the making of a short film. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll put that link in the show notes through No Films Go. Is it three episode or four it's episode? It's three, yeah. yeah so, three episodes. Uh, three episodes, one pre-production, one production, and one post-production. Yeah. So John uh, and different people like your DP, mm-hmm. one of your producers, I think, uh, just talk, talk yeah. about the process, talk mm-hmm. about the heartache of making it, the challenge of, you know, location issues and and like, cranking out the script and the themes and working with actors are really, like, well done. Thank you. And the reason why you know first of all i'll just highlight you guys brave making okay john is talking about the challenge of getting this vision out four years of his life you know maturing raising money he did a, a kickstarter or an indiegogo i did a kickstarter actually. yeah kickstarter yeah, yeah. uh he and even him having a built-in base of you know however many thousands of people listen to no film school it still is not easy you know to get that money but here's one of the money things, quote unquote, I think you did that really got me interested why I reached out to you. Sure. You teased your uh, poster. Oh, yeah? Okay, cool. On Twitter. And yeah. I think you were also looking for feedback. Like, what is this? Uh, there was two different images. What is this image? And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is very provocative. Yeah. You know, this image that you put out kind of made me feel something. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm really curious. So, so. Just, you know, filmmakers, just so you know, again, social media is super huge in this game. Uh, Being active, putting your stuff out there. You know, Austin Kleon talks about showing your work. Mm. You know his stuff? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, John did that. Like, he's showing his work. He did this podcast of how he made the film. He's teasing out the poster. You know, me as a filmmaker, as well as a curator of films, I'm looking in and leaning in and going, oh, I met this guy at Sundance. Uh, You know, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm like, I wonder if this would be a good fit for Brave Maker. So I watched the film. Here's why I think it is a good fit for Brave Maker. Brave Maker is all about brave stories, about uh, elevating unheard stories, about creating cultural conversations. Mm-hmm. And you know, without giving anything away about your film, I feel like it surfaces stuff about relationships, manhood, sexuality, all this stuff in a very stylistic, Lynchian, nuanced, artistic way that I think I'm going to program it. Well, there's going to be two different short film programs. One's going to be the Bay Area filmmakers. Obviously, you're a Bay Area filmmaker. But then I think I'm going to, we're titling something like Brave and Bonkers or something to that effect. Because I feel like this film is brave, but it's also bonkers. And you have to sit into it and you have to let it like sit, you know, on you, in you, poke Mm -hmm. you. It's almost like this this voice next to you saying, hey, look at me, look at yeah, me, yeah, yeah. look at me, look at me. Like, I want you to look at me. And sometimes you're not going to like what you see, but I want you to look at me, mm-hmm. look at me. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. So I, I'm stoked to yeah, have man. you come, man, in, awesome. in June and engage in our community. It's in our, in our, our inaugural film fest. And it's funny that you say, Bra- you know, like the name of your festival is Brave Maker because I've been waiting. I, you know, I think it's, I've seen a lot of short films and I think like I made my short having the knowledge of ben, being through mm-hmm. short programs and like yeah. seeing stuff that I liked and also being bored by stuff and like <laughs> yes. I just wanted to yeah. make something that kept people's 
attention the that's entire good. time. Um, it's like you say, after waiting for a festival, that's brave enough to take it, essentially. Woo-hoo. Because it's, it's a... It's a very heavily stylized piece, and you're right on about the themes. Um, and especially in today's like very uh, toxic world, the, with the Me Too movement, and you know, like a lot of, of course, like festivals trying to um, attune to social agendas and gender polarity. It's a hard time to to put a movie like this out yeah. um, because it can get because I left it so open to interpretation. It can get misinterpreted very easily. Uh, certain images uh, actually I've found override the entire thematic message of the piece yeah. which is really interesting just as a filmmaker uh, to, to see um, but I, yeah I mean it's, it's, it's about like fragile masculinity it's really about uh, the type of people that young men like are exposed to as their ideals of what a man should be mm-hmm. I think um, and the repercussions that could happen if they buy into that. Yeah. Um, so, man, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to talk about it. Right you know on. I, mean? I think, I mean, in some way, it's unfair to talk about this without <laughs> listeners have seen it. Yes, so yes. I'm hoping that people will come to the festival, see it, and then come back and listen to this podcast, and we'll promote this podcast afterwards. But if you saw the film, this is what's interesting for me, is we didn't talk about this yet. You actually star in the film. Yeah, right. For yes, a good portion of it. Yeah. And so, again, not giving things away, but if you saw it, you'll get this symbolism here. For me, not only was it symbolic and interesting to have you play a role in it as a man, as an actor, but also as the filmmaker. Yeah. It's really interesting to look at what you are saying, what you're exploring, the questions you're asking, again, as a creator. Yeah, sure. in the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. in the Weinstein era of you know the post-traumatic stress of masculinity. Yeah. To, you know, I think like a lot of it comes down to a question that I find myself asking with a lot of the films that I see again, which is like representation and what story do I have the right to tell? Yeah, um, that I can actually like back up with my own experience. That's good. Um, and this is the story that I could tell. Yeah, about like my own fragile masculinity yeah. and insecurities. So how would you frame that again? Like, what questions are you asking? Just what story do I have to tell? Where do I fit in the narrative? Yeah, like in terms of representation or, or for myself? Yeah, like what questions do you think you're asking about your art and your film and your life? Well, I think like I, a big part of it was, of course, like exploring the more demonic sides of what a, uh, like uh, macho isn't the right word, an af- like an, what an alpha male looks like um, in... Uh, in contrast to what I am or what I was, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because, like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're on Reddit at all, no. But it re- kind of reminds me of like a Reddit nice guys sort of thing, which is this uh, hmm. subreddit, which is like men who are toxic against women because they think they're nice and sensitive. Hmm. Uh, anyways, I, I don't know. Maybe some of your listeners listen to that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really there either. So I guess it was just like me trying to come to terms with uh, feeling like I was stuck creatively too in a place uh, where I couldn't break out of, uh, looking for something to help me break out of that creative rut. Um, you know, I think that that's sort of a metaphor for actually the the female in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the lead the the lead actress, my friend Michelle. Um, yeah, so it, it was it's just a lot of different shit 
honestly. Like well, thanks. It's just <laughs> well, thanks, man. As an artist, it's kind of like you're just kind of like ripping your ridge, rib cage open yeah. and like saying, like, this is what I am. This is who I it. am. And you're, you're doing it. It's painful. Yeah. It's depressing. Sure. But there's a story and you have your own personal narrative. And so I'm grateful you put it out in the world, man. Hey, man. I'm grateful that you're that you're accepting it. Yeah. Brave <laughs> making. Way to go. It's something. So come June 1st and 2nd, Redwood City, California. You can go to bravemaker.com slash filmfest. And uh, see, tickets will be available in April. And John, it's not even public all of the films you selected yet, but we're just grateful you're going to come and show the film. Our whole goal is uh, we don't do awards or anything like that. Like, we just want to celebrate stories cool. and have filmmakers come. And it's only going to be like 12 to 15 filmmakers, two Great. days, uh, two days out, like parties and uh, this really cool little centralized city with three different venues and hanging out and chatting and podcasting. Yeah, cool. We're going to have all this, all sorts of stuff, dude. So we'll, we're stoked that you'll be a part of it. Hell yeah, dude. How do people find you, find your film? Oh, online, oh at least film. About the film, not find it. But uh, Well, I mean, listen to that podcast, I guess. Yeah, listen, uh-huh. to the, listen to the three-part podcast. In the show notes will be? Uh, I think it's called The First Short. Okay. The guy or something? I uh-huh. actually made it as a spinoff of Ryan Koo's The First Feature. Yep. Uh, that's a, that's available to the public. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. Uh, Say that again. Jim underscore John underscore Jim. In the show notes if you want to follow and John Fusco. What a great name, though. John Fusco. <laughs> Thank you. Dude. You know what's funny, actually? I do have a story about uh, there is a screenwriter named John Fusco. He wrote Hidalgo, and he wrote some other movies. Uh, and when I was scouting for uh, the location of this movie, uh, <laughs> one of the people that I was scouting their house for thought I was Academy Award-winning screenwriter John they're Fusco. They were like, sure, come on. Yeah, they were like, and then they were taking pictures of me, posting them on social media. Get and out of here. And, and like, you didn't know at the time. No. <laughs> I was like, these guys are really like into this. Dude, that's a making, that's a short film right there idea. Like someone who just has the similar name yeah. as someone else. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Are you on Instagram or anything else? Oh yeah, I'm on Instagram. I, I, if you can follow me on, I, I'm not that active on Instagram, uh, but you can follow me. I'm at Jim's Cam. Jim's Cam. J-I-M-S-C-A-M, like Jim's Cam. I have to ask you, which poster do you like more? Do you remember? I like, I like the one I like. I think the, um, the, Underwear? Yep. Yeah, okay, I cool. like the underwear. Right. <laughs> so if you're intrigued even more, the underwear poster is oh, the, the one. bloody underwear poster. The bloody underwear poster. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to talk more about that, but we'll save it for We'll save Q&A. it. We could do another one when you're in for June, dude, because yeah, yeah. we we're going to have a couple live podcast sessions cool. with a live audience and nice. stuff, so we'll do more. So, hey, Brave Makers, thanks for listening. You heard it here, John Fusco, Brave Maker Film Festival, and thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs> BraveMaker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com.